right, welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. This week, Dan and JJ will tackle the draft. Uh, this will be our our Bills preview of what we believe the team needs in the upcoming draft at the end of April, uh, and also why it might not be linebacker. So stay tuned as we dissect the next iteration of Brandon Bean throwing darts at the board in the attempt to build an all-pro roster. That's so unfair. Dan, how are you doing? That's so unfair. You remember five years ago where this team was at, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to I think we I think we need to to pull it back just a little bit, right? The the draft strategy has by and large worked out better than I would say in the past. Do you remember the pod we did maybe a few maybe it was now like less than a year ago, where you literally ran through every draft pick that Doug Whaley ever made? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that. But I'm also pretty like, sure I, we're yeah. in a better place. <laughs> well, I think it's it's that's the that's just the the way that fandom works though is like you're never happy with anything unless that's your true. team is winning the Super Bowl every single year, right? Oh and my so, god, we've turned into Patriots yeah, fans. We've well, never yeah. won one, and we've turned into Patriots we're, fans. We're spoiled brats now that the Bills have won the AFC East three years running and gone to the playoffs consistently. Um, in in that word, you know, I'm saying such things as yeah. Brandon Bean has put together probably one of the top five or ten best, you know, rosters in the league. But how many All Pros has he drafted in the past two drafts? Really, even though he's he's found above average starters in the fifth and sixth round multiple times. Right. This is correct. Yeah. So no, I. But but here's where I think the the overarching criticism is fair of the the draft st- strategy employed by Brandon Bean, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some positions um, positions of need in this draft that really are ones that potentially the Bills should have been looking at two, even three years ago. And this is what I think is fair to say of Brandon Bean. Um, He doesn't draft for the need until it comes right up on him. We were talking back before last season how they needed to draft DBs. They didn't have a lot of depth. The Poyer was on an expiring contract. You know, Hyde only had two years left. Who was going to be the number two opposite Trey White? It couldn't be Dane Jackson forever. All that kind of stuff, right? And he went back-to-back edge, the Boogie Basham year. Finally, when it was staring him in the face that he needed to draft a young DB to at least time when this when this DB he drafted would be coming off of his rookie contract with when Trey would be coming off his most recent extension, then he finally did it. But the guy, by all accounts, he really wanted... Trent McDuffie, he got leapfrogged by Kansas City, who drafted him, panicked, and then moved up to pick Kyrie Elam to make sure they at least got their number two guy off the board, right? So I think it's fair to say that being with just certain positions, they feel overly confident with a lot of the talent that is in-house. Anyone could look at Levi Wallace a few years ago, Dane Jackson last year, and tell you these are solid players that are not starting caliber. But the belief is so strong within that building and the talent they have on the roster that sometimes they let pressing needs sneak up on them, right? They make a lot of what I would say are luxury picks a lot of times at certain positions. Again, Boogie Basham being one of them after you had Greg Rousseau in pocket. And they don't often address where they have needs coming up in the next two or three years. So I think that's fair, right? Because it always feels like Bean is playing a little bit of catch-up at some of these higher-profile positions. That being, and there's going to be a couple we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about defensive tackle, 
which they have no one signed past this season on defense for defensive tackle. And we're probably going to talk about linebacker, I'm going to guess, because they just lost Tremaine Edmonds in free agency, and they drafted Terrell Bernard last year in the third round, and they really don't know what they have in that kid either. So, so yeah, all that being said, criticism is fair. We're being bitches to some extent, though, because the roster is still very good. But yeah, Bean does tend to let these things sneak up on him, And this is not a draft, JJ, that you want to get snuck up on. It's a weird draft. There's like, I don't know that there is at any position, including quarterback, generational talent outside of Bijan Robinson, which Bills fans don't want to talk about running back in the first (laughs) round, which I get. I get. Yeah. So, so you like the best tackle in this draft from the Northwestern kids, Skronoski. Uh, Mel Kuyper actually has mocked him as a guard now because his wow. arms are so short. So like that's the kind of weird draft that we're in this year. So this is not a draft that you necessarily want to walk into with a lot of needs sneaking up on you. But that's kind of where Bean is at. He's at a little bit of a deficit in this particular draft. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. Your point to the fact that they they let needs sneak up on them, it does feel like sometimes, specifically with the draft, it's like they they are playing 4D checkers or chess when they really should be playing checkers, right? Like they're, they're like, well, you know, maybe we'll pick um, this elusive upside guy from a mid-major conference that nobody knows about. And sometimes it turns into Taron Johnson and sometimes it, it just flames out, you know, turns into Jaquan Johnson. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. That's a great, you know, sometimes it's Taron Johnson, sometimes it's Jaquan Johnson. Let's be on the Taron side more than the Jaquans, right? Um, And so, you know, I think that that's the thing that is interesting. And you're right about this draft class. When you look at it, it's really, it's, it's a schmozzle in the middle. (laughs) And there's like 20 prospects on the top end who look like day one starters. And then it's like a bunch of guys that could either be Odell Beckham or they could be, you know, um, Austin Prohl. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it's just like that, that's the the whole middle is just, and and that's talking from like the latter half of round two or even, the, you know, the bottom, you know, of round two all the way down to seven is people who could be contributing starting NFL players because the data set isn't complete or because we haven't seen enough or the competition they played against wasn't, you know, supreme or their preparation or they switched, you know, they switched positions late. Like there's so many of those stories in this draft that I think are fascinating, but it's also really scary, I'm sure, for a GM because mm-hmm. it's, if you're in a you know program, if you're in a position in a front office where you do not have the safety and security of multiple years winning your division – um, yeah, it's probably pretty risky. And that's, I think, why so many, the rumblings around the league are that so many GMs are looking to move out of the top, you know, mm-hmm. top two rounds and collect midday picks. Because GMs know if we coll- if we grab a bunch of darts, we're going to do a much better job and probably have a little bit more job security. If we can say, hey, look at this guy in the fourth round, it worked out. We yeah. had three fourth round picks, two of them are busts, and one's an all-star, right? Yeah, like, it's where the value is in a draft that is this weird, right? It's just weird. a weird one. I don't want to say it's bad. Like, yeah. 
all of uh, everyone in this draft is like an incredible athlete. We're going to talk about measurements and all this stuff. Like, like we could hack it with these guys. We know we can't like, so to the general public, these are amazing athletes, but relative to past draft years, like the bills only have six picks this year. I don't know that there are six guys in the draft that make in this draft that make the bills roster. You know what I mean? So if you're a, if you're a competing team, if you're like a Kansas city, who's got 10 draft picks, or if you're a team without a lot of draft capital, but but have some pretty clear needs you need to fill, I can see one of two things happening. I can see, and I'll, I'll clump the bills in this, I could see a Kansas City, a Miami, or a Buffalo get really aggressive with limited draft capital to move up because they would rather have one of these top 20 guys than they would, like you said, so eloquently throw a bunch of darts in the third and fourth round and see what sticks. Then you're going to have other teams, and the Bills could fall into this bucket too, that feel like they don't have a lot of holes and feel like the holes they do have cannot be addressed by the talent in this draft. So they will trade back, and they will gain assets, and they will see if they can strengthen depth at other areas that are already strengths and look to the third-tier free agent market to fill some of the needs they have. So I could see a scenario where the Bills, if they just fall in love with a wide receiver or an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, let's be real, um, particularly interior defensive tackle, I could see them trading up to secure one of the blue chippers in this draft and then call it good. Otherwise, I can very well see them trading back in the first round or even trading back in the second round and just accumulating a bunch of picks right, and seeing, again, what sticks. But there are not six guys in this draft that can make this roster. So if you're a Bills fan and you hear that Bean is trading up or you see in the draft that Bean trades up and he gives up draft capital this year, that's fine because there's not a lot of really good guys that the Bills are going to be able to attain in this draft. I would rather have four four good solid picks and one stud that they mm-hmm. draft up for than I'd have like nine guys that six of which aren't going to make the team. Well, and I think that's interesting too because that's going to be so much – if so much traffic in the draft is going down, then there has to be somebody going up, right? Exactly. Um, it, or if the, the projection is that there's going to be so much traffic going down. Um, and so you always have to have a trade partner. And, and could the Bills be one of those teams if they're certain of a guy? And I think that that's the question that, that will be posed if – if Brandon Bean comes out of this draft with four picks and they've tra- used two as trade chips, which is he is more aggressive than most GMs in the league. When it comes to the draft, he tends to trade up way more than he does move in any direction. Yeah. Um, and so the possibility or the possibility that he uses a draft, a piece of draft capital to trade for a player is also on the table. I think if he I thinks agree. that that, that player is going to be the complementary piece to this offense or defense, um, and so, you know, I do wonder if the trade up and the aggressive nature of Brandon Bean comes into play. I'm with you. I don't think that we have room for six, six players on the 53. Um, but I'd rather they do what they need to do to get three contributors. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, you know, and if we miss on one, that's reasonable. It's, it's an, an imperfect science. I think I remember, uh, seeing a statistic that, you know, GMs who hit on who have three starting caliber players in a single draft class of seven picks, normal picks, that's that tends to be job security. If you yeah. can every year have three people contributing starters, and not we're not talking all pros here. We're talking just 
meaningful snaps, contributing starters who are considered average at their position in the league, that's good. That's a good batting average. Yep. Totally agree. I totally agree. So I'm interested to see as we talk about Buffalo's overall draft strategy, what they do in round one, because that's that is in a normal circumstance that dictates what the rest of your board strategy is going to look like based on how the board is falling. But I think this year in particular, if they trade up, that tells you they're not interested in a lot of guys in the latter rounds, and they really want to use their limited capital to get the guys that they want. And I think the Trent McDuffie situation last year has really solidified for being that if you see a guy that you want, draft draft positioning be damned, you're going to go up and you're going to get that guy. So it's going to be so interesting to me. I could see teams like uh, LA, the Rams, who also don't have a first round pick, I could see them being a trade partner for the Bills if the Bills want to trade down. I could also see a team that has multiple first round picks. So we're talking about the Texans, I think the Lions, and the Seahawks, right, have multiple first round picks. I could see the Bills trading up into the lower teens with one of those teams if it means getting a Jackson Smith and Jigba or something mm-hmm. like that, right? right. Um, it, it's going to be interesting, but what they do in round one more than any other year is going to set the table, I think, for what the rest of the draft for the Buffalo Bills looks like, because that it's such a shallow talent pool in this year's draft. I think that's the most diplomatic way to say it. Like the, the positions that are deepest this year are running back and tight end, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. and the, these are not positions the Bills are interested in, in filling right now so yeah super interested to see what the strategy is going to be i i am actually on team trade up i think in the i think as we were getting into the off season i was like accumulate draft capital draft a bunch of guys add to your depth all this kind of stuff based on how they've approached free agency i will be thrilled if they walk away with another blue chip interior offensive lineman that's got center that's got center versatility so you get your mitch morris replacement but you also have a guy that can push ryan bates a little bit on the left side of that line if need be um and it adds to your depth on the interior in a great way i'll be happy if they get another wide receiver again someone with inside outside versatility someone who can replace gabe davis if ultimately we don't extend him at the end of the season but someone who can open up the middle of the field again for this buffalo bills offense and i know josh's a ucl strain has something to do with his limited accuracy in the short area of the field after week nine but they just they didn't have anybody that could eat the middle of the field for him they were basically playing with only two-thirds of the field available to them we talked about that ad nauseum last year we looked at the splits of where josh's attempts were going and they started getting more to the boundaries and deeper right part of it was the injury But part of it, too, was he didn't have a reliable target over the middle of the field. So I'd love to see the Bills just get a really fast guy that can run some nice short routes and can secure the ball in this year's draft. I'll be happy if we just get those two things. And then, honestly, I would love a defensive tackle just so we have somebody in the event that we don't sign Ed Oliver long term. Because Daquan Jones is on the last year of his deal. He's in his upper 30s. Jordan Phillips also into his early 30s. Ed Oliver, what is an extension really worth for him at this point? And Tim Settle is at the end of his two-year contract, and he was a nice rotational piece, but not a guy that you're going to build a line around. So I would like to see the Bills walk away with those three things here. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm with you in terms of my my ideal is is certainly I think blue chip wide receiver is probably the top of my list because I agree Diggs is getting older. There, Gabe Davis is off the books after this year. Probably if he leaves, he might not have a market if he proves the inconsistency that he showed this past year. And we'll see, but that's unlikely. I mean, we saw some mid tier and you know second tier wide receivers get starter money every offseason for the past three years because every team is looking for their stuff on digs mm-hmm. and think they can uncover that you know uncut gem on somebody else's roster and so if digs leaves i think that there's a void there and the bills have made some great you know signings and free agency of, of some young talented wide receivers but we can't count on that and that's not going to be a cheap contract if they hit because they're one one year or two year deals yep um and so you know longer term continuity there so wide receiver, I agree with you on. I agree with you on defensive interior. Um, I'm going to depart on... Uh, <laughs> oh, I missed that term. On, uh, <laughs> I'm going to depart from your course of thinking on the uh, the offensive line because I know that you had, you know, you've been talking about having the heir apparent to the to the pivot for Mitch Morse for a little while. And I think it's, it's certainly a need. I would agree it's a need. I just don't know that this is a great draft for it. And I don't know that they're going to get the value of that position unless it's a mid or, you know, either fourth or fifth pick or something like that. And that's possible. They could find that person at that late they in the could. draft. Especially um, in a trade down situation. Yeah. Like that we'll, and we'll we'll talk about that. There's a couple of guys in the draft yeah. that I think they could nab, yeah. But that's that's not what I want to use a top three round pick on. I think and I think that, that my thinking has changed. We talked at the end of the season and I yeah. was like, draft a guard that can play center. I'm a little stunned by this actually. I'm yeah. advocating for the line over yes. you. I I no, I'm no. not comfortable continuing this stay, pod. <laughs> stay tuned, my friend. We didn't do a full run through. I'm not advocating for the guard center in the top three rounds. I'm advocating for a tackle. Oh and someone specifically to, a right tackle to challenge. So someone Spencer to push Brown. Spencer yeah. Brown. I listen. I agree with you. I a hundred percent agree with you, and I think that's a good segue to get into some of our stuff here. Um, but based on, I mean, we talked about this last pod. How overly confident Bean and McDermott both sounded in Spencer Brown. Like, I actually, I worry that they, I worry that it's become an emotional decision for them about Spencer Brown. Like, I agree with you. I would love to get Matthew Bergeron. I would like to get love to get the kid out of Tennessee. Um, Paris Johnson out of Ohio love to get one of these guys. And one of these guys might be attainable for a modest trade up. Bergeron won't, we could get Bergeron to pick 27. I believe I would love to get one of these guys, but I, they're just so stubborn about Spencer Brown. I can't see them drafting the next kid up when they still feel like there's something in the tank for Brown. Now, that being said, you also got to think about Dan Dawkins on the other side of the line because he's got two years left on his contract, did not have a great season last year. We wonder if maybe this is the start of a decline for him physically. I I could be persuaded for offensive tackle to push Brown, but I don't think the Bills would, would do that. But I could also see them, again, maybe not letting this need sneak up on them next year getting the Deion Dawkins replacement of the future in this draft. Cause there's some guys I agree that they could pick. So I don't, yeah. I don't depart with you. I just don't, I just don't think that, you know, you know what I think is going to happen. They're not going to draft a single offensive lineman in the first three <laughs> rounds that, cause yeah, that's what they do. That's what Bean be like, does. They're yeah. going to be like, we, we re-signed Quint, uh, Questenberry. We re and we signed, um, we're getting Ike, yeah. Ike Butger back, we're right? Our Ike depth Ike is Ike fine. Butger back. We've got, you know, Connor McGovern yeah. and, 
the guard, not the center, and we've got uh, yeah, Tommy Doyle coming Tommy off an injury, right? Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I'm so, with you. I want yeah. beef, man. Look at how look at how Philly drafts. I want yeah. beef, right? Uh, but I, I I think we're both probably wrong because yeah. I'm going to talk about guards. You're going to talk about tackles. None of them get drafted in the first three rounds for the Bills. That's just not being Zemo. It's just and we not. both and we both cry in Josh Allen injuries. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, but all right, and and this will be my last bit about this draft strategy piece, and then we'll actually get into like who we think the Bills should draft um, if we were running the team, which no right. one put us in charge of a team, please. But um, but Bean has begged Josh Allen to protect himself better this season run less slide all this stuff and i think that's fine like even you and i wince a little bit when we see josh dive head first at like the opposing team's 40 yard line to get an extra yard on like third and seven to make it third and two right, right like right. like we 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 feel that's overly risky too but brandon bean also has the ability to protect josh allen with the guys that he signs and the guys that he drafts the reality is, over the last two seasons, the guys that he has signed and drafted have not done a good job protecting Josh, which is why he feels the need to run for his life on almost every down. If there were a year where I would love to see Brandon Bean alter his typical draft course, it would be this year. A, a show of faith to Josh that we're going to use a premium pick on a protector for you in this year's draft. We're serious about you protecting yourself more. Here is our ante for how we're going to protect you better. Now meet us halfway and slide, right? Yeah. Otherwise, I feel like Bean's got no credibility in this argument because Connor McGovern, nice pickup, but really that's going to be your interior seal for Josh? Like, I I don't know. I'm I'm with you, and I think we're both going to be disappointed. We'll see a round four (laughs) offensive lineman drafted like we do every year. That's just what we're going to see. And then he'll uh, he'll be stuck behind Spencer Brown um, until we trade him away to the Browns, where he becomes an All Pro. Seriously, God, just if you trade Spencer Brown, don't don't trade him anywhere that's got a, a living, breathing line yeah. coach, please. Right. Just don't. All right. all right. Anyway, all right. You want to get into it? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So we depart on. So let's save offensive line for last. Then, yeah. all right. We both agree that top end wide receiver is something yep. the Bills need to address. So why don't we start with wide receivers? So the Bills currently have the number 27 pick in the first round, which seems like a good place to leverage either waiting for your guy or potentially trading up into the first round to get the guy you absolutely want. So JJ, walk me through some of your options here at wide receiver. Who is some? Who are a few guys that you're looking at that you think the Bills should, uh, should pick up? So you've already mentioned... Um... I pretty much, I think most of Bill's Mafia is talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. And Jigba, yeah. And Jigba. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is basically, you know, JSN is like the draft crush of the Bill's Mafia right now oh, because yeah. he's potentially in striking distance, probably about the 18th through 20th highest ranked overall of all positions, position, you know, player in the draft. Because um, they're not getting up for Quentin Johnson, the, the probably top you know uh wide receiver in the class jsn is is second in, in a lot of people's mocks and uh and so he's he's a target because six foot tall about 200 pounds uh coming out of the draft as a junior um was at ohio state uh before i'm trying to think of the two ohio state 
uh, receivers that were taken in last year's draft. Um, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Garrett Wilson, and there was another one. But I, I don't remember. Who was the other guy? Um, I can't remember. I'll anyway, look it up. I'll they were, cool. They were both first-round draft picks, and when they were all playing together at Ohio State, um, they— Chris Olave. Okay, Chris Olave, yeah. So Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both had excellent rookie seasons, and there was sort of an agreement before JSN got hurt last year he was going to have the biggest season of all three of them. And he came back this year, you know, again, injury-shortened. Um, and, you know, prove some things in a, in a short sample size, um, but really could be that incredible technician at the position, amazing body control, amazing ability to, to stem his routes and uh, shake defenders, create separation. I think that that's a super QB friendly receiver, I think, is, is kind of the draft notion. So that's probably my number one wide receiver. Um, and then you get down into the more likely to be there if the Bills do not move up the draft board. And that's kind of Jordan Addison started his career at Penn State, uh, 5'11", 173. Zay Flowers from Boston College, slot receiver kind of only. Uh, think Isaiah McKenzie, but faster and uh, more dynamic and better better hands and more of an ability to get distance down the field. That's Zay Flowers from, from BC. Um surprisingly can do over-the-top deep routes, even as a short receiver. Um, so that's sort of where I am. Uh, I've got some mid-round guys, but why don't you go with your thoughts on, on kind of top-of-the-draft guys? Yeah, top-end guys, I agree with you, say for one, right? And I was, so I agree with you on JSN. I think JSN, despite the the lower body injuries, despite the questions about how fast can he run a straight line, which always feels like a stupid question, yeah. right? Um, cause he's such a smooth route runner. Yeah. He's a reliable catcher. We just talked about the need to give Josh a target that's reliable in the middle of the field. I mean, this kid comes in day one and he owns the slot. Like he is our middle of the field target. You can, you can then spell Gabe Davis with Khalil Shakir on the outside every now and then, which gives you a really fast outside yeah. duo and opens up the middle of the field for JSN to do his like magical route running. Like when you talk about a complete route runner, this is as complete as a route running tree as you get out of a rookie QB. He would come in day one and make an immediate impact for this offense. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who I'd like to see them spend a first-round pick on. He's not going to fall to 27. He's likely the first wide receiver off the board. Um, so this is one of those trade-up situations where if the Bills are just locked in on getting their guy, this is the guy that you trade up for, Bills Mafia. Um, I also like Jordan Addison, too. It, Addison is a little bit smaller than JSN, but again, reliable route runner, Really good, really good hands. Um, comes from a pro style offense at USC, which I think translates really well. But JJ, one of the things I said that I wanted earlier in the offseason was just really fast guys that can catch the ball. And I think Jay, I think Zay Flowers is one of those guys. But I, I think there's some, I hear a lot of mock media guys saying he's got inside outside versatility. I get that he played on the outside a lot at Boston College, but he's only 5'9", barely above 180. It, he really does feel like more of a slot type of yeah. gadgety guy, I think. And in the right offense, I think he could do really good things. I just don't know that that's a dude that the Bills need right now. I look at a guy like Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. 
He's big, just over six feet, a little bit on the lighter side, pushing 175, 180, 43 speed, has a pretty complete route tree and vice grips for hands. This is a dude who lit up an Alabama secondary this past season for over 235 yards and four touchdowns in a single game. And that's a pro-style secondary that he's playing against. I think Jalen Hyatt comes in, immediately pushes Gabe Davis for that number two outside position. And if you can somehow line up Diggs, Davis, Hyatt, and Shakir in a four-wide receiver set, good freaking luck keeping up with that group. So Hyatt is another guy who I really like, and I like him because word is Kansas City is targeting him too. You don't want to give a guy that fast to Patrick Mahomes. So you add a weapon while taking a weapon away from your adversary. But those are the three guys in the wide receiver class that I think I would bunch together as I would spend a first-round pick on. And Jalen Hyatt, might, you might be accused of reaching because he's sort of considered top of round two, middle of round two type prospect. But that all depends on how the draft flows. I mean, we talk about this all the time. The NFL draft is a dynamic process. If five quarterbacks go in the first five picks, the whole yeah. draft board below is pushed down. There's a lot more talent in the 15-16 position. Um, in that first round than you'd ever expect because, you know, people get hungry and weird once quarterbacks are in the mix. For sure. Um, can I talk about my th- my third or fourth round draft crush at wide receiver? Yeah, go for it. And I don't know if I've talked about that. I may or may not have told you my draft crush. Do, do, you, do you remember who I said it was? You're, bra- you're breaking news right now, so I'm oh, very okay. excited so you to didn't hear. Know. Um, do, tell me what you know, if you know anything about Puka Nakua. I know nothing about Puka Nakua. This is not okay. someone who I have on my my amateur board. Tell me about Puka yes. Nakua. So Puka Nakua is a six foot two, two hundred five pound, uh, coming out of BYU as a junior, um, and he played for Washington for a couple years uh, before finishing his college career um, at BYU. And he, you know, appeared in twenty one games. He had some injuries, but he led the team both seasons in receiving yards. On uh, 11 touchdown grabs, he is. I, I'm trying to think of uh, an analog that you would you would recognize. How about this? He is a slightly taller Robert Woods. Oh, he, that's nice. He is a heavy, heavy team guy. Um, super family oriented. Uh, will grab literally anything in his in his space because Robert Woods, when he was with the Bills, played with some pretty poor quarterbacks, but seemed sure. to always come down with the ball, even if it was way out of you know out of his catch radius, he found a way. That is Puka Nakua. After watching just a few of his games, you know, not super in depth, but I watched a number of his games, not just highlights, but rather full games. He is a tenacious run blocker at a wide receiver position, same like Robert Woods. That's why he reminds me of him. Is it's like this? He's got that dog mentality, super competitive. Probably going to be around in the fourth. Um, you know, probably not inside the top two hundred players, but one of those players that might end up surprising people and showing up in the bottom of the second or the top of the third round. Um, but yeah, six two, two hundred pounds, got a little bit of size and strength. Um, catches almost everything thrown to him. Has deceptive speed. I'd say he's probably more of a long strider like Gabe Davis, where mm-hmm. he's not the quick, choppy burner, but he will definitely get behind players if they're not, you know, careful. 
Nice. Very, very nice. I ha- I've got a, a similar third or fourth round draft crush that I actually would be totally happy if the Bills walked away with him as a wide, as a wide receiver option, and that's A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest. Okay. So he is 6'3 and a half um, on the, the heavier side, so he's one of the bigger wide receivers in this group. He's pushing 200 pounds. He's 198. Um, according to the combine, he ran a four four forty, which is pretty decent speed for a guy his size. That's that's faster than Gabe Davis ran. Okay. He is a smooth route runner for a big guy. Played his majority of his time on the outside at Wake Forest, and again can catch the ball. I'm looking for guys that are fast and don't drop the ball. I spent a lot of time between At Perry and Trey Palmer mm-hmm. for, is my like third fourth round draft crush. Trey Palmer out of Nebraska, six foot one ninety two, ran a four three forty, eighteen drops this season. Wow. Immediately took him off the board because yeah. he's a body catcher, right? Yeah. He yeah. he waits for the ball to basically attack him <laughs> before he decides to wrap it up. So that's what put Perry over for me. Um, and I also think there's like every season there's going to be an opportunity for some undrafted guys to potentially make some hay. One of those guys that I've got targeted is Braden Johnson. So he's on the smaller side. He's 5'11 ish, 195, ran a 4'3 at, at Oklahoma State, and had a pretty good catch success rate. And surprisingly, for someone his size, a contested catch rate as okay. well, which is something that is shocking for a guy that fast that he's not getting that kind of separation or the separation you would expect. So his speed doesn't often translate into his routes. Something to keep in mind, and that's why he might go undrafted. But yeah, no, I, I love it. I think there's some interesting options at wide receiver. It's a, it's a lot of guys that do the same thing. Like I've heard a lot of Bills fans talk about Tank Dell. Tank yeah. Dell out of Houston, projected third, maybe fourth round pick. Pretty fast, 4-4-40, but he's like 5'8", 165. Like there's a lot of those tiny itty bitty like slot guys, those gadgety guys in here. I would prefer the Bills go go for someone who is either an exceptional route runner or a pure burner with good hands. And to me, that's someone like JSN, like we mm-hmm. talked about. Another guy to keep an eye on, I he could find his way into the first round, though I'd be surprised. Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I so and so I'm gonna disclose. I drafted this guy in Madden, and I am absolutely owning <laughs> owning my Madden franchise with yes. this guy as my fourth wide receiver option. Nice. Okay. But in, in the real world, he's about 5'10", again on the lighter side, 180. But he ran a, a 4-3-4 at the Combine. Yep. Super fast, really sure-handed, needs to develop his route tree a little bit. But again, if you're just talking about adding pure speed to the lineup... Someone like Tyler Scott's going to be available in the second or third round for you as well. So I'd like to see a premium pick on JSN, Jalen Hyatt, or Jordan Addison. But if the if those three guys are unattainable, I think the options we talked about are more than good for where the Bills are at right now. Well, and I've got one more for you, like probably a third or fourth, uh, Cedric Tillman, Tennessee. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hyatt's the, running mate. Yeah, yeah. One of those, one of those players who sort of, you know, was overshadowed by you know Jalen Hyatt on the same receiving core, but had a decent combine. Is not going to like light the world on fire with his speed, but he's six three, two fifteen. He's one of those big body receivers. Yeah, and he really he plays. 
he plays more like a finesse player than somebody with his size and strength would you'd indicate. Um, mm-hmm. He really catches kind of in insane body positions. He's got a lot of you know coordination that you wouldn't expect of somebody that tall and, and lanky and that sort of thing. And so you know Cedric Tillman is somebody that I, I also look for if they don't hit on someone in the first round or two, maybe somebody who they could take a flyer on in the third or top of the fourth as a, a good you know good option especially to give to round out this receiving core because i think that's something that's sort of the reason that puka nakua is you know um not just he's got a badass name but also that he's um appealing to me is he's sort of that utility player right somebody oh, yeah. you see who does all the good stuff is probably going to be an excellent special teamer as a third or fourth wide receiver um if they're not you know crushing something with the the second or first round pick on someone who's a definite you know um, WR2. So that, that's yeah. somebody I, I would also see as that utility player who you know is going to give it their all on, a, on blocking downs, um, on running downs, but also can surprise you with their catching and their speed and separation. Agreed. All right. So to summarize, this yep. is where we're at. Round one, we would feel good about pick 27 going to any one of these guys. JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison. Yep. You like Zay Flowers. I like Jalen Hyatt, and those for us are collective first-round wide receivers. There is also, on your end, Puka Nakua. I like A.T. Perry, right? Honorable mention to Cedric Tillman, and then my undrafted guy, potentially Braden Johnson. Feel good there? I feel good. I would add Rasheed Rice from SMU in the second. As a, you know, again, my, see, my... (laughs) I might be, you know, a homer and, and that's, that's, I own this. I'm always looking for a size guy for the bills to draft because I think that's a component of their uh, wide receiving core. They do not have is somebody that can go up for the the contested ball in the end zone or the corner um, or get that first down uh, just over the top of somebody sort of like the bills were subject to on on their defense with a couple of uh, nasty grabs to extend drives against Minnesota, for instance. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think there will be options here. Yeah. And and this is the pick for Bills Mafia. This is where they just want to see a number one pick go because it'll be validation that everyone cares about Josh. But if they're not going to use a premium pick, a, a first round pick on a wide receiver, there's, there's dudes that are going to be available later in the draft that I think would fit the scheme very, very well. All right. Where do you want to head to next? We were going to end with, um, we were going to end with offensive line. So let's, Let's go to defensive line because I think that we both agree, even though it's not the sexiest of picks, uh, that building from the trenches is always critical. And there's nobody on the defensive interior on the books after this year, with the exception of, is it, there's one player maybe of the defensive interior? I don't think so. I think that's, I don't think that's so. it. Okay. No. Yeah. Oh, because no. they, re- they re-signed um, Settle, Tim Settle, to a restricted contract. They reduced right. his pay. So, yep. yeah, I, th- I think it's just one year. So that's they desperately need to refill that position. I think they're they're trying to work on something with Ed Oliver, but they're pretty tight to the cap. If they draft a, de- if they draft a defensive tackle here, yep. the size of that large human they draft will tell you where they feel like they're at with yes. Oliver. Because yes. if they draft another... Six five sub three hundred three tech. That tells you they don't think they're gonna have Oliver right. beyond this season. Right. If they draft meat six yes. five six six three thirty three twenty three, oh. 
if they go for a one tech in, in the form of Star Latulale, who they've been trying to replace for years now, yep. then that tells you they feel pretty good about re-signing Oliver. Yep. So, JJ, why don't you walk me through what your who would you feel good about the Bills spending a first round pick on a defensive tackle? Oh my God, uh, Jalen Carter, Brian Breesy, <laughs> the, <top, laughs> the top, you know, top fifteen players, of course. Like if there's any, I don't, lo- I yeah. don't love Breesy. Walk yeah. me, walk me through this Breesy thing because I feel like he just he can't do anything against the run, right? Sure. Like I, 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 or do do I have that right? Yeah, he's not good. Against, I don't feel like he's good against the run. Yeah, I mean. I, I, he is. I will say he gets out of position with the run because he's he's a his of course his strength is is pass rush. Yeah, he's a penetrating three tech, and so this is what I'll say about Breesy. He plays similar to Ed Oliver, is that he can blow up plays and make some amazing tackles for loss, sacks, things like that. Um, but that comes at the expense of he plays a little bit out of position at times, and he. Um, can get washed out in double team situations because he's tall and he's un- sub 300. And so, but I think that what, what people are crazy about and the thing that I, I think is his redeeming quality is that he's a more, more of an impact pass rusher from that position than a lot of three techs that have come out on the defensive line in the past few drafts. I think that he has more of a knack for moves and setting players up and hand fighting than you see from somebody coming out of college. And I think it, it if he had more, he was injury shortened in his, in the last season, I believe mm-hmm. um, if he did not miss a lot of time, he'd probably be in a top 10 just because of, of that kind of developing that skill set. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so here, here's my thing, right. With Breesy. If, if he is indeed your Ed Oliver replacement, fine but he's not going to see the field a whole lot, even with the way the Bills rotate that defensive line this particular season. He doubles down on a strength you feel like you already have in Ed Oliver, mm-hmm. and he doubles down on a weakness, which is the ability for that defensive line to stop the run. Add to the fact we don't have Tremaine Edmonds doing all that low-key, uncredited work he did in in shutting down the run at the second level last year because who knows who you're going to have back there behind this defensive line next to Milano. And I actually think a guy like Breesy is more of a liability this season only. He's a great talent, but this season only for where the Bills roster is at doesn't feel like the best pick unless he is your Ed Oliver replacement heading into next year. But then you still have the issue of you don't really have a true one tech to eat up double teams and play next to the kid. So you're going to have him replace Oliver and you're going to set him up for failure in exactly the same way you set up yeah. Oliver, right? No, well, I, you know. I, I have that solution for you, my friend. And All right, is, where uh, where is that solution? His name is Maisie Smith. Oh, the Michigan kid. The Michigan kid. out of Michigan, an absolute bowling ball. 6'3", yes. 337, defensive line. Uh, plays with his hair on fire, but is also a two-time academic All-Big oh, Ten honoree. So, like, love that dude. definitely has, you know, the smart. He's, he's a, a coach. You know, coaches love him. And so, you know, he's the defensive player of the year for Michigan, um, four-time letter winner. Uh, so Maisie Smith, I believe the thing that he uh, gives you is because he's never going to be the player that gets a sack by, like, doing some sick spin move and, you know, finessing his way past. But he's a compression-style rusher from the nose tech position mm-hmm. who just has excellent technique, does not falter to double teams, 
can occasionally split a double team and tends to be exactly where he needs to be against the run. Is that yeah. more your style? And he could be had in the second, probably, if you he, trade he, up a little bit. I was going to say, Smith is probably an early second-round pick for some team that needs some some defensive line help. So that's a scenario where you're not technically using the pick on Smith, but you are yeah. then drafting back into the second round, accumulating multiple picks, and going after a guy like that. No, I'm I'm with you. I will, I will see your Maisie Smith, <laughs> and I will raise you a Siaki... Iku from okay. Baylor University. All right. 6'3", 335. <laughs> True one tech, right? Doesn't have penetrate Like Smith, struggles with gap penetration. Yep. But would be an absolute wall at the front of the line to stop runs at the line of scrimmage. Doesn't have a lot of pass rush versatility, but this dude eats double teams for absolute breakfast. The problem is he plays a little bit high and would have to work on his technique. But otherwise, I think this is just a big-bodied individual that you give to Eric Washington and you say, mold this kid into our new one tech. Well, I'll say something about him playing high, too, and that is um, that it, it certainly can be a liability if he's trying to shut down the run because low, low man yeah. wins in that game. Yep, However, all the time. He, I've watched a couple of his like full game tapes and that dude, uh, Siaki Ika, he bats down passes. Like it's his job, grabs those things mm-hmm. like hamburgers. That's, that's the thing his I think is insane is a, wingspan. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing I think is the benefit is I think he's playing high because he's looking for those opportunities to disrupt the passing lane because he knows he's not a penetration style, you know, right. pass rusher. He's not going to get there. So he's got to affect the play in the way he can, which is holding his point of attack and getting those hands up. But, yeah, that tends to get him. He can get blown out of the hole if they run straight at him and he's playing that way. Yep. And and, and we've already got – and you can tell by listening to this, we don't think there's a ton of DTs no. that the Bills should spend a number one pick on. Um, Jalen Car- Carter, who we kind of glossed over, yeah. it, it, that's going to have to be a trade-up into the top ten. Oh, right? my gosh. Yeah. That's like yeah. – Ed, that's like Ed Oliver in our 27 he's, going to Chicago for... <laughs> and depending on the number of quarterbacks they go, he might he might be at 7 or 8. Like, yeah. There's not a lot of top-tier defensive line talent in this draft. Yep. There's probably three guys in the top 15. And so that means that the ones who are valued that high are going to go higher than they usually would. Yep. You, you and I both like Breesy, I think. I, yeah. I'm, I'm leery of doubling down on a yeah. weakness for the team. The other guy who I think doesn't have a first-round grade on him in a lot of draft outfits, but could make a lot of sense at 27 if the Bills go that route, uh, Kalijah Kansi out of Pittsburgh. Okay. Yep. Again, pure three-tech. He's a little bit lighter than even Breesy is. He's about 6'1-ish, 285-ish. Um, mm-hmm. had great measurables, a pretty solid workout at the combine. And he is one of those gap penetrator guys that really uses leverage despite his undersized, uses leverage well against bigger interior offensive linemen to get quick penetration. He uses his speed. He uses a center of gravity really, really well and could again, be a good Ed Oliver replacement moving forward in the future. Um, He's also a viable option if the Bills trade Oliver for a couple of more day two picks. Then you could see them having accumulated ladder draft capital by trading a player and not trading other draft assets. I could see them taking Cansey in the first round or Breesy in the first round to replace Oliver outright. Bills fans being pissed about it. But then in the second round, 
using multiple picks to get guys like Josh Downs, the wide receiver out of North Carolina, Dalton Kincaid, the tight, all of a sudden, all of a sudden they can then turn Ed Oliver into a better Ed Oliver and more pass catchers for Josh. Right. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to scoff at that. I think Ed has done some nice things, but for me, it's just the inconsistency of a player who sort of disappears. Yeah. And that's, that's really worrying. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give a huge bag of money to somebody who I can't count on to be a game changer all but, you know, four games a year. Like that's Agreed. just not enough for me. Um, I, so, oh, yeah, go ahead. You got one or, more. Oh, I don't have any, any more top tier. Do you want to talk about some like maybe late round steel type guys? Yeah. I, I mean, again, I like, I really like Ika out of yeah. Baylor. I, I think Ika is a project, but if you're looking for that one tech, who's just going to be in the middle of that defensive line and gives you a little bit of three down lineman versatility as well. Like we've talked about Lou Amaro. Am I saying his name right? And Arumo. I was going to say Lou Amarillo. And I'm like, that's (laughs) not his name, but defensive coordinator out of Cincinnati, his ability to be multiple, which I think you really need to be in your defensive schemes. I don't think is a defensive coordinator with how multiple so many offenses are. Mm -hmm. You can afford to be singular on defense he, even though they play a traditional 4-3 in Cincinnati, he's happy to, to drop eight and only rush three. Yep. You get a guy like Ika or you get a guy like Smith anchoring the middle of that three-man rush, eating up some double teams. All of a sudden, you can go multiple on your defensive front, and then you can really deploy guys like Terrell Bernard, who maybe isn't the best fit to be a full-time starter but can come in situationally, surprise you around the edge. You get a guy like that at your one tech, and it makes everybody else more versatile around you, and it makes your defense multiple. So, yeah, I, as we go later rounds, you're going to see here, I'm yeah. just looking at big, fat guys. That's really yeah. what I'm looking at. <laughs> well, I got one for you, actually. Give uh, it to me. G- yeah. Give me the beef. Where give are we at? Beef. If you are looking for a player, let me like I'm going to sales pitch this guy to you. Dan, if you're looking for a player in the fifth round or later, that is like a cement truck that you can park in the middle of your defense and forget about. May I point you towards Jared Clark, number fifteen oh, for the I Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. I had is, him on my list too. He, he is from Dorchester, Mass, uh, Massachusetts. So he's from the Northeast. Not a, not a stranger to snow, even though he went to school in the Carolinas. Um, he is six foot four, three hundred and forty pounds. Yes, and surprisingly agile for a man of his size. Um, but still not the kind of penetrator you'd, you'd expect to get any real pass rush production from. He is an academic kind of all-team. Um, so, again, I think that's something that Brandon Bean, they, they talk a lot about process guys and, and trust the process um, and their kind of DNA. And so they tend to pick players who, you know, he was voted a team captain in his in his senior year this past year. Um, he was on the all-Sun Belt third team, um, you know, and he made multiple – recommendations to the you know shrine bowl he did a lot of different things and the the thing from watching him play is really just sort of strong awareness he erases that that note the nose um gaps that he's responsible for he erases both sides of the center and can shade even 
both guards in terms of locking up the middle of a Absolutely. defense. Absolutely. I, I watched him play uh, Sunbelt Funbelt, right? Oh, yeah, J, yeah. JMU, my alma mater, played yes. his, uh, played Coastal Carolina this year in the, their inaugural year in the, uh, the Sunbelt Conference. Nice. Um, so I, I watched a little bit of Mr. Clark in person on ESPN+. Plus. No, <laughs> I, I love where your head's at with that. And again, I will... I had him on my list. I also had, and this is a potential undrafted free agent or undrafted free agent, potentially seventh round pick. I also had in, in the, um, in the spirit of Mr. Clark, one Broderick Martin out of Western Kentucky. Did you have this guy too? profile up on my computer right now. Yep. 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 Oh man. See, this is why we pod, right? So Martin six five ish, right? 330 pounds. This is what I love most about this dude. 35-inch arms, the biggest arm, longest arms in the draft for any defensive tackle, and the largest wingspan at over 83 That's crazy. 83 inches. <laughs> crazy. Like, that is uh, 76. You could hug a small snowplow yeah. <laughs> comfortably. Jeez. So- <laughs> like that. It's insane. It's insane, right? But as we as we talked about Smith just throwing his hands up in the air or Ika throwing his hands up in the air, this dude could do the same thing. And there is value to both Clark and Martin is ladder round picks, seventh round. Because mm-hmm. let's be real, the opportunity to use pick 27 on a prime defensive tackle, no. it they need to invest draft capital here. And there are guys that we would be comfortable with them drafting in the first round. But the reality is, is that they're going to be pressed, I think, in other areas, depending on how the board falls. So unless they're trading up into the top 10, probably top seven, as you mentioned, for a Jalen Carter, it's hard for them, for us, for me at least, to see them taking another Ed Oliver when Ed Oliver is still on the roster. So I definitely see the latter rounds, third yeah. round, fourth round in particular, and then the undrafted free agent market with them just getting Oliver, if they're really going to be committed to him, a true one tech that can gobble up double teams, cover up for our our inability to stop the run by just being a wall in the middle of the line. I see them focusing on guys like that in the latter rounds and in the undrafted free agent pool. Yeah, and I, I have one more mention, and that's kind of around the area that Siaki Ika is probably, you know, sec, top of the second round. Keanu Benton. Oh, uh, yeah, From yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah. Another, a, a little bit one. smaller than some of our other nose tackles, but in a proven conference that runs a lot. This did, is like the things a Har- needed to do. Harrison Phillip. Yes. Uh, I would say of Harrison Phillips yes. comp, right? That is like a, a smaller comp. one tech. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, no, smaller I like this kid too. One tech who does his job, right? Like he yep. is dependable, reliable, and consistent at doing his job of holding the center point of attack and, uh, and will not, you know, not give up ground if it has anything to do with his, his tenacity, right? Like he yeah. works hard through every rep. Second or he attainable in the second or yeah. third round potentially. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that. All right, we talked about wide receiver. We talked about defensive tackle. Uh, what's the next area of need we want to move to? Well, I think uh, there's only a couple more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that we should. Um, why don't we just we're stay in the trenches and, and get our our offensive line picks out of the way? You're going to talk about some guards, guards slash centers, and I'll I'll give some tackles. All right, that sounds good to me. Let's start. Let's start with tackles, right? Because I'm not. I'm not opposed to this idea, right? Mm-hmm. I just again going back to the beginning of the pod. I think Bean is going to be way too stubborn 
to take the Deion Dawkins slash Spencer Brown competition that that he really should be. Quite frankly, with how poorly the Bills have protected Josh Allen over the past couple of years, everyone's job, minus maybe Dawkins, potentially Morse, should be up for competition. So the fact that the Bills are willing to potentially stand pat at the edges, to me, is absolutely insane, right? But all that being said, I I, I don't think they're going to draft a single offensive lineman in, th- in, in the first three rounds because this is what Brandon Bean does to break our heart. But I am personally not against a tackle. I just don't think they're going to do it. Well, they've had they've had top thirty visits with uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia. Yeah, he's probably the top top twenty tackle, uh, six five three eleven, um, a good out, way more nimble than he should be for his size. Big dude, uh, as, yeah. As an outside, you know, um, threat protector, uh, and then I, I believe they've also had Darnell Wright from Tennessee, who you've you've mentioned as a, I love Wright, as a target. Yeah. I, I do too. I think I he's love great. Wright. He's 6'5", 333, huge body, but still one of those guys who's more agile than you'd expect him to be at that size um, as an outside protector. So both of them project as tackles, but I would say they're not too tall to slide inside and have some versatility if they need to. Both of them have played multiple positions on the line. If not at guard, then they've played both sides of the tackle position. So um, they have a little bit more flexibility, versatility, which we know the Bills select for. Yes. They, will, they very rarely will pick a specialist who's only been left guard throughout his entire career on the line. Um, Correct. Yeah. So those two are probably the top round targets I could think of. Um, and then possibly Matthew Bergeron uh, out of Syracuse. But he he might be a, t- a first round target because of scarcity. Because there aren't a lot of tackles that are considered NFL ready uh, to start. Right. And so it's possible he sneaks up into the first round, um, but he's six five three eighteen. You know, as close as you can get to the to the Bills without drafting a UB prospect, um, and you know could be a target. So those are the those are the tackles I could see in the first round. I would not take. I don't think I'd take a single other player in the entire draft pool at specifically tackle um, that any higher. You know, or any more than these three. Yeah, I um I agree with you, right? I think the only one I think Bergeron I agree. I think he I I think someone is going to draft him in the top 25 that needs an offensive lineman. Uh, cuz I think he's shown shown enough pop at Syracuse to where I think he would justify a late first round tag. You know, another guy that's interesting to me outside of the guys you mentioned that I I could again, he's mocked in a lot of second rounds, but I could see the Bills at 27 being like whatever we're you know if we have a first run grade on him so be it is Dewan Jones out of Ohio State six eight three seventy four I know I know he, but he listen dude he I get it he plays tall right yeah. he he gives up his leverage on more plays than he should and we already have that with Spencer Brown on the right, right side right. I get that right so Jones to some extent I get is like. PTSD for people who are like over Spencer Brown. But when you look at the raw athleticism, the size of the frame, and the surprising speed at which he plays, if you can fix his leverage issues, you're talking about a lockdown left tackle that you're getting for a... And and this is why I say first round, Mm -hmm. because you're going to want that 50-year option on a guy like Jones to see what you see with, with regard to his development. 
I could see the I could see an argument where Dewan Jones sneaks up into that discussion okay. um, in the first round. Otherwise, I, I totally agree with everything yeah. that you've said. Yeah, and and that's to say, like, I will say, if, if anyone's listening and paying attention to the draft, I'm not even talking about Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State or Skaronski. Yeah, they're top ten picks. They're probably top, you know, at least one of them is going to go in the top five, maybe, because yeah. it's hard to find really reliable, excellent offensive linemen. I think they both categorize as excellent offensive linemen. I agree. I'm seeing Skaronski more and more though, in a lot of draft guides. He's not being mocked as a tackle. He's being mocked as a guard. Yeah. So I, I've got him on my guard list. But I agree. I think he's unattainable. It's yeah. weird to say that 6'4 is short for a tackle. It's, it's the arm thing. Teams are yeah. freaking themselves out about the arm length because he's got, I think, the shortest arms that would mm. ever exist on a human being who played NFL tackle. <laughs> like I think that's what it is. Yeah. But people are like, at guard, you're looking at the next Quentin Nelson. So, right, yeah. right. So yeah, Fair. no, I I agree with you. I I really like Bergeron. I, I I like the upstate New York connection, but I like the measurables too, right? Yeah. I think he's the ideal frame. He's the ideal size, the right amount of of athleticism that the Bills look for. Um, but honestly, I love I I would be happy with him or Darnell Wright. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that Wright has played inside at guard. You could see a world where you start him there, and then eventually you kick him out to replace Dawkins or Brown, whichever one falls off first. So Wright, to me, has short-term impact now with long-term flexibility down the line. He is my favorite pick just because of that, not anything else out of this group. Sure. And I really um, like Dewan Jones' size. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, I mean, he's massive. I think that the, the problem I see with Dewan Jones is just like, the projection, right? He's yeah. so raw at that size, and they've already got a project tackle in, in Brown. Brown who yeah. just moved there from playing seven seven on seven tight end for most of his football life, and so it's really tough to see you know Dewan Jones coming in and, and being productive as a starter while they're in this window of challenging for a championship. Um, a third third ish round, maybe late second, early third. Um, tackle prospect would be Jalen Duncan out of Maryland, Terps. Mm, I had um, this guy on my list too. Yeah. And so it's one of those, he less of a project, but less of a ceiling probably. And so that's a player that's, he, he's, uh, he, to give the measurable 6'6", 320, um, would be departing a little bit from their normal uh, practice of, of just getting guys with a really premier RS, or relative athletic score in that he doesn't have that kind of more elite speed and athleticism, but is a solid starter, has kind of played, again, played uh, left tackle um, for a competitive team. And so I think that's a that's a possibility in those kind of, you know, top three-ish rounds. Um, and going further, deeper into the draft, it gets really, it's like we talked about when we opened. It it's gets not really, deep. Yeah, it's it not gets deep. really weird in the middle where you're like, these guys could be out of the league in two years mm-hmm. or they could be 10-year starters. Um, yeah. I think Tyler Steen out of Alabama is a player that has Oh, been, I had him on my yeah. list too. Oh, man, you got to save some for me. No, yeah, break down <laughs> Steen. Yeah. yeah. So um, he has been uh, mid-year, or I'm sorry, um, started in Alabama, finished in Vanderbilt. Uh, been kind of a, a mid-tier uh, starter, um, and uh, he, you know, was an All-SEC fourth team uh, preseason. Had lost some some games to injuries, um, 
but you know, way more developed pass protector than he is a run blocker at this time in his uh, in his development. But um, really, you know, somebody that I, I think is interesting for the for the Bills. Yeah, I'm gonna add one more in here for like ladder round picks, and and this kid is a a third, maybe fourth round uh, based on most draft guides is Nick Selvaderi out okay. of Old Dominion. So six 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 three eighteen. Again, hey man, I'm going I'm going all Sun Belt Fun Belt with my. Uh, <laughs> I just watched a lot of Sunbelt football this okay. year. <laughs> I'm yeah. a JMU guy, so there you go. Um, incredible physical frame. Like, plays good, great leverage, exceptional footwork. The problem with him and why he's a project and projecting in the third and fourth round is because his feet are really the only thing that work about his technique, okay. right? So he's not he's not really fluid in the hips. He doesn't mirror very well. And his hand fighting is very sporadic. It's very punchy, right? Yeah. He needs a lot of work on his upper body technique, but he comes in, knows how to play with leverage, right. super agile, super fast at the point of attack, just needs to lock down his hips a little bit or release his hips rather. Yeah. And he's got he's got to figure out his hand fighting because that's really a weakness for him. Sure. All right. Uh, you want to talk about some guards? Who do you got at the top? Oh my God. Let's talk about guards. So I listen, man, I, here's why I think the bills would be crazy not to go guard in this, this particular draft. They hate specialists. As we have said, they don't want guys that are good at just one thing, like protecting Josh Allen. They want guys that are good at multiple things. Right. And I, I can appreciate that. I really can. But there comes a point where that versatility will kill you. But it's not going to be in this year's draft, Bills Mafia, because this interior offensive line class, again, while not the best and not deep, lots of guys that have flexibility, that can play center and guard. So you potentially get someone who can push Bates or challenge McGovern. I really don't care. I want the, the best possible interior guys protecting Allen that we can get. So you can get those guys while also anchoring potentially the future in securing your Mitch Morris, your Mitch Morris um, replacement. So here's a couple of guys I like. We've already talked about um, Skaronsky, who mm-hmm. I think is unattainable. He probably goes in the top, probably in the top 10. A lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of guides have him mocked as a guard. He's played tackle for a good chunk of his, his college career He's 6'4", 313, incredibly physical, and just immeasurably physical. Um, he's got he's got Tyrannosaurus Rex arms though. That like he's got really short right. arms. Yep. And that's why people are are hesitant about him. But unless the Bills are gonna trade up, and to be clear, if they trade up for him, they're trading up for him because right now he would play guard for them and then maybe in the future switch to tackle. It, they would have to give up way more draft capital, I think, than any of us would be comfortable them giving up for an interior offensive lineman. So then that brings you to Os- Osiris Torrance, who, depending on which draft guide you go to, mocked as a first round, graded as a first round, mocked as a second round. It, it really does depend. So he's a senior out of the University of Florida, 6'5", 330. Solid arm length, plays with a lot of physicality. This dude is an absolute monster in the run game needs some protection, needs some some work on his pass game protection, his pass blocking sets. 
But if the Bills are looking to unlock the run game, even just a little bit more, this is a guy who you get. And then you give him to Cromer and you're like, make him protect Josh Allen right. too. Um, the guy, dude, the guy I like the most. Th- so that's it. That's who I think the Bills would be justified using a first round pick on. The guy I like the most, quite frankly, out of this entire group is Steve Avila out of mm-hmm. TCU. I okay. love Steve Avila. Yeah. He's got center flexibility. He's played center for some of his career. 6'3 and a half ish, 6'4, 332. Again, plays with great leverage, great hip fluidity. Um, needs a little bit of work on his on his hand technique, and that's about it, his hand fighting. Otherwise, though, this is a guy who you would feel great anchoring next to Deion Dawkins or potentially next to Spencer Brown, and he's got the versatility to move inside and replace Mitch Morris. Those, to me, are the three guys I would feel good about the Buffalo Bills using a premium pick on. Guys that you can find, there's not, it gets weird, man. Like with the offensive tackles in the latter rounds here, there are not a lot of guys to me that pass muster for a later round pick. So to me, you're either going to burn a premium pick on a, on what has become a premium position for you, an interior offensive line, or you're going to hope that you're going to hit on an undrafted free agent like Deshaun Manning out of Kentucky. Right. He's 6'3", 327, needs work just about everywhere, but is a great raw physical product. You know what I mean? Yep. But here's why I would advocate for the Buffalo Bills considering using a top, a top one of their first three-round picks on one of these guys that I mentioned. Um you beat Josh Allen by attacking him up the middle. Yep. We saw what Cincinnati did to close off his running lanes. When Josh gets skittish in the pocket and his protection breaks down, he's looking to bolt and run, but he's not often looking to bolt and run around the edge. He breaks up the middle. Mahomes does the same thing, right? Teams are really good at contain on Mahomes and, and Allen around the edges. Where they make their hay in the run game is bolting right up the middle. Cincinnati was using their defensive tackles to just manipulate the shit out of Allen and our offensive guards. So you would see they they were literally manhandling our, our guards so much they would f- be able to move our guys to feign like there was a hole for Allen and then immediately move our guys back and close it off yeah. as pressure around the edge closed in. If you've got offensive guards that are that malleable in pass protection, you need to start the hell over, right? right? Yeah. So I'm just looking for big-bodied guys who you can't do that to. Yeah. That's why I like Avila. I really like Torrance. I think he can grow in his pass protection game. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't mind them seeing bring a guy to camp like Deshaun Manning, who's got the physical attributes that you need to be a man-eater in the middle of that line. You, mm-hmm. you just got to teach him the ropes. That's where I'm at. Okay. Um, I've got a couple of mid to late round prospects that I think uh, could be worth flyers. Um, let me know if either of these names pop, pop out to you at guard uh, Antonio Maffi. Yeah, 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 yeah. I looked at I looked at a lot yeah. of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of UCLA. Yep. The kind of player who I think has a lot of work to do on pass protection, um, and but I think has the capability for it. I think it's more one of those questions of not. Can he do it? It's that he wasn't asked to do it because UCLA was incredibly run heavy. They had nine 200 yard rushing games and three 300 yard rushing games this season. <laughs> um, the offensive unit as a whole was a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award for the best you know offensive line in the in the 
um, entire college football. Um, and J- Antonio Maffi played, he's one of those specialist situations, which we know the Bills aren't crazy about, but played left guard kind of all, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. Um, and had one season as a, as a full-time, or two seasons as full-time starter. Um, and so... Um, he's he's an interesting prospect for me that has some upside, uh, and then the second player, and maybe maybe up there with Puka Nakua as you know all star from in the name category, Juice Scruggs out of Penn State. Nice. Uh, I, um, I am not familiar yeah. with with Juice with so, the Juice. <laughs> Juice Scruggs is a he's a, a heavy riser in the in the kind of draft community. Um, in terms of flying up draft boards because of some of his measurables and, and different things like that. Um, and he is 6'3", 3'10", center, um, played, you know, center. He was the all-Big Ten third team by the coaches. Um, honorable mention from the media, um, he was voted a team captain. And so, again, it's one of those situations where he was a very strong pass protector and helped a number of Penn State's very um, powerful offensive productions this, se- this season, um, both in the pass and the run game, and could be you know one of those developmental late round flyers on somebody that could come in and spell Spencer. Or I'm sorry, uh, Mitch Morse in the center of the line without being he, he has a little bit more athleticism than he has beef. You know, he's only six three three zero one. Yep. And we didn't, it's worth noting, we didn't talk about straight up center prospects in this draft because yes. neither of us think that they'll spend uh, for a pick in the first three rounds on a straight up center. Maybe a John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota, I think. He's the right? best center in the center of the draft. Yeah. He's, the, he's the best center prospect in the draft and is mocked in a lot of second and even third, third round, yeah. right? I mean, that's just where this center class is. That's why my preference is get someone with short-term value now that can play guard and projects to center later in their career. Yeah. Well, and I think that with John Michael Schmidt, Schmitz, what's your, he, he, I mean, he blew up the senior bowl, was really good at the combine. I think that the thing that um, he pro, he proposes as a prospect is an athletic center only who could get bodied a little bit because he's a little lean for his you know, 6'3 frame uh, and definitely more athletic. So you'd be kind of replacing Spencer Brown with a. Or I keep saying Spencer Brown, but I mean Mitch Morse. Yeah. You'd be replacing Mitch Morse with a Mitch Morse-like clone, mm-hmm. um, who's someone who it, his skill is technician and and athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's not being a you know a, a barrier at the center of your line. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So JJ, we've covered what we think the primary positions of need the Bills should address are. Now, we left out. A very important one that every other Bills podcast is talking about, and that's linebacker. (laughs) Because we've got a big Trey Edmonds-sized hole in the middle of that defense. And I'm I'm fine if we want to talk about linebacker, but here is my stance on it. We have talked very intentionally about who would we use a first-round pick on at 27, or how would we leverage that pick to trade up and get somebody. I do not think... There is anybody in this linebacker class that I would spend the 27 pick on. Other guys I would use a second round pick on or a third round or fourth round? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I do not think there is enough linebacker talent in this draft to justify the use of a premium asset in the first round on a Tremaine Edmonds replacement. It's just not the class for it, right? Right. Well, and there's there's only like four prospects in the entire draft 
um, at inside linebacker, middle linebacker as their position that are pretty much um, consensus top 100 players. 100. That's three rounds. More than three rounds, right? Like, there's four in the top three rounds that are considered, you know, they fit there. And of them, nobody, not a one, is a consensus first-round pick. I think that Drew Sanders is probably top of the second round with um, uh, Jack Campbell, the darling of Bill's Mafia, just behind him. I think that this is one of those situations where um if brandon bean is sticking to his board and i know that the draft the draft media community whatever you might want to call it is not the nfl scouts because we see things that are surprising every year they could Mm -hmm. there could be six there could be eight they could be ranked much higher right what we're seeing what we know what we can have access to is telling us that there is a really really a complete absence and scarcity of in inside linebackers in this draft in the first three or four rounds. And mm-hmm. even then, I think that just the quantity, it's not even about quality. There just aren't that many yeah. um, prospects throughout the top five rounds. I agree. I think I think you mentioned the best ones, and those are second rounders, I yep. think, at best. Jack Campbell, I, I think pass. Jack... Yeah. I, I'm not passing. Like, if, if Simpson and Sanders are off the board in the second round... And Campbell is there. I mean, he's an athletic specimen. Like his RAS scores are very similar to Luke Keekley. And yeah. we would love a Luke Keekley yeah. on this oh team. God. Right. Yeah. But but just on like 6'4, 6'5, 249. My thing with him is that he he's like he gets stuck on bigger blockers. And when you play, if the Bills are going to continue to play majority nickel, when you're in that primary middle linebacker position. You are blocking much larger human beings than you, or you're getting blocked by much larger human beings than you that are these big offensive linemen that are attacking the second level in the run game. And I, I just, I saw Campbell in too much of his film just get stuck on some of those bigger, bigger guys. So again, he do, he's great in coverage, doubles down on something that's already a liability for this defense. And I, I get it's a passing league. But when you look at that second game against Miami, what was the reason they were moving the ball on us so effectively? It was Raheem Mostert. It was third and six clear passing situations where McDaniel just decided to run the ball up our throat and they played physical and they did it, right? They were not extending drives because of Tua's pinpoint accuracy. He had a very bad game with the exception of a couple of big plays in that game. They were extending drives because of our inability to stop the run on third down. And Jack Campbell doesn't correct that problem. He makes you decent in coverage again, but he doesn't add any strength that doesn't already exist to that team. That's why I'm not Jack Campbell round 27 or pick 27. Well, and I think that there's also the question of um, most of the top, you know, top three, top four round linebacker prospects are they're much more a Milano type than they yeah. are an Edmonds type. Um, Henry Tuo to, uh, Toto Alabama Alabama mm-hmm. is an exciting prospect. Does some amazing things in coverage. Has a knack for kind of rushing uh, and finding lanes, you know, in in rushing the passer. But he he's not. He's six two two twenty. Like he's he is like a, a safety body yeah. type. And so again, that big body washing players out of a play. You're not going to gain anything with toe o toe in your in the center of your defense. I think that 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you've sort of convinced me that the the fact that they need an inside linebacker shouldn't predicate them on choosing an inside linebacker with a premium right. pick because this might this is not the draft for it. No, th- this is not the draft to waste that very valuable capital if best player available plays a different position. Yep. And I, I'm going to have a hard time believing that with the depth of wide receiver and tight end in this draft, if that the Bills won't prioritize pass catcher in this particular draft if someone falls to them at 27. Um, I just don't see it. You know, I mean, if you want Jack Campbell without the first round compensation, I mean, think about a guy like Noah Sewell out of Oregon, right? He's a third year, third year, straight up junior. He's like six, two ish, a little bit shorter than Campbell is, but same height, same 40 speed, um, slightly comparable wingspan is a raw product in the run defense game, but has some coverage chops that could be taught. Right. And this is someone you can stick behind Terrell Bernard because, by the way, we drafted that kid last year in the third round using a a high draft asset on him. You're returning 10 of 11 starters to that defense, and McDermott is calling the plays. If there were a year you were going to find out what Terrell Bernard was about, this is the year you could really set him up for success. You know what I mean? So, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm also happy if they don't address linebacker at all in this draft. Sign a Wiley veteran, right? I see. I see Devin. Um, is it Devin White from Tampa Bay asked for yeah. a trade today? Yep. I see a lot of Bills fans like with the eyeball emojis, get like yeah, 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 let's get that guy. Yeah, I would love that guy. Yeah. Do you know how much you're gonna have to pay that guy? Right. More than more than Edmonds got from Chicago. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like like he's on his fifth year option right now. That's the reason he wants to be traded. He doesn't have a contract going into next year, well, and, and he's gonna want to get paid. And go into the fine. Go into the go into the draft with that veteran, or don't even go into the draft with that veteran. Um, go into the draft and like nobody shows up in the first three rounds that you really feel crazy about. Yeah. Get Mahmoud Diabate out of Utah yeah. in like the fourth round or fifth round. Um, who is he's kind of got that coverage profile, that athletic profile, 6'5, 220, mm-hmm. you know, like yep. looks like a big safety, but has a little bit more bulk and size. And you just you know, plug him in again, rotating behind a, a vet that you have in on a one year minimum deal um, and kind of ride with it. Cause I think that we'll save this for another pod, but I think that you and I have some ideas about how McDermott might run this defense. That's mm-hmm. going to be surprising or different uh, yeah. in the way in different personnel packages and different attacking styles that, I agree. that we might not need the very standard set of defenders that Frazier was using. Right. When we say we need a middle linebacker and we need to use a top a top 30 pick on one, we are still framing this conversation as a fan base around Leslie Frazier's defense. Yep. We don't know enough about the defense that McDermott is going to run um, to make that assumption. Add to the fact that the talent isn't there to justify the pick. I, I feel pre- I would feel pretty good if the Bills did not address middle linebacker at all in the draft, right? And they just brought in a bunch of unsigned free agents and a veteran presence to fill the void. Yep. Yeah. All right. Do you have any uh, any last minute flyers before we get out of here? It, this will this will all be wrong by the track. This <laughs> will know, all, everything we've said, everything other podcasts have said will all be wrong. Yep. Because no one expected Greg Rousseau, no one expected Boogie Basham. 
we all want we all were expecting Trent McDuffie. We got Kyrie Elam. The the reality is is it's thirty two teams. No one knows how their boards fall. And when you're at twenty seven, the reality is is you're reacting to what the previous twenty six teams have before you have done. And you can't always predict what they're going to do. So this is our best guess. Ninety percent chance that all of this is wrong. What I hope is not wrong are the priorities we've laid out. I'm really hoping that the Bills address some of these priority areas, use some premium picks on the offense. That's what I want to see this year. Yep, absolutely. Um, and did you have, I mean, I know you wanted to, to mention a tight end or two. Yeah, I think tight end could be a pleasant surprise for us, right? Yeah. Like no one wants to say it, but people are falling in love with this Dalton Kincaid kid out of, yeah. what is it, Northwestern? Is that yep. where he's out, out of? Yeah. Yes. Um, I've heard comps to to one travis kelsey who has been the architect of our Ooh. nightmares for years great athletic profile a little bit raw as a blocker very natural pass catcher the bills have wanted to run two tight end sets i think for a long time yep. and quentin morris is just not the guy he's too raw as a blocker he's just not the guy you're going to do that with you draft a guy like so if we change the priority from wide receiver and make it more general to just pass catcher you add a Dalton Kincaid or a Michael Meyer in the first or second round to this pass catching core then all of a sudden your two tight end sets you've got the threat to either run or pass and you become less predictable to the opposing defense every time the the Bills ran the ball Checking in number 69, Bobby Hart is ineligible to receive, right? I mean, like, it's just, it's like the Bills were so predictable in the run game, and they had to literally throw out the heaviest guys they could find to get four yards in a cloud of dust. If you even have an inkling as an opposing defense that they're going to throw the ball over the seam with Knox or or a guy like Meyer or Kincaid, then all of a sudden you can open up things in the run game and short yardage out of those two tight end sets without becoming predictable. So I could see the Bills, and I'd be perfectly happy if the Bills focused on just pass catcher with their first few picks, and one of those pass catchers was another tight end. Absolutely. And um, yeah, Dunk Kincaid out of Utah. Utah, um, there you go. Yeah, Sorry. 6'4, 240, uh, senior um, from Las Vegas originally. So, Good for that guy. Yeah, and I agree. I think that there's an opportunity here, and I, I you know, it's one of those deals that it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting. What, how the, how the first twenty five, twenty or twenty four picks go, right? Like I, I think the Bills with only six picks in the draft are in the world where they might not consider themselves, uh, even in striking distance of pick 18 through 22 but maybe in a we're going to trade up four or five picks and give away our sixth or another you know it's second round or next year Mm -hmm. or something like that um you know trade up four or five picks and try to get somebody that comes in striking distance and if it doesn't then it's going to be really interesting how that best player available plays out and i wonder if bill's mafia is going to be upset on draft night in the first round when we end up inevitably picking a draft uh another edge player yeah, i know we we, yeah. we did not talk about edge dear god no. we did not talk about edge because for a first round pick on an edge I, come on man are we really going to go down that route again yeah. <laughs> are we are we going to relive that same nightmare again so yeah 
Um, but yeah, I, I'll be interested to see what happens with it too. It, it's going to be fascinating this year, more years than most, because yeah. the Bills have some glaring needs, unlike they've had in the past few years. They're not going to be off, have a lot of luxury picks, but also the areas of need that they have are not really great for this to fill with this draft. So it'll be interesting to see what Bean does. Um, that was fun. I love that talking. Fun. I yeah. love talking draft. All right. So for all of you still listening at home, thank you very much. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Google, Apple, and Spotify. And as always, go Bills. Go Bills.